I'm Matt Brownell. And I'm Van Owens. And I'm Tim Adams. Welcome to Climbing the Mountain, where we dive into the scriptures and discuss themes, connections, and real-life application. We're kicking off a series here where we're going to examine the Sermon on the Mount and discuss implications for this teaching for Christians today. Welcome back. Uh, We have been having a riveting discussion on treasures in heaven. And last time, we spent a lot of time thinking about what are ways that we store up treasures on earth. Um, And we, we talked a lot about that everything that we own, everything that we're going after has some amount of energy and time and uh, thought that is associated with it. And there's this, they kind of can drag us down um, and that there's, it's not really in line with what the reality is that Jesus is, is offering to us that there's uh, there's something better that, that is waiting for us um, on the other side of death. Um, And so, We're about to dive into the next verse, and I'll read uh, the context here for everyone. Um, In Matthew 6, 19, it says, Don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So I'll turn it over to Jim to, for the next question. Appreciate it, Tim. So we're going we're gonna to do the next section, which is the eye is the lamp of the body. And that's one of those phrases that uh, confused me for the majority of my Christian life. And as I've been learning more, um, the, your eye, the eye is the lamp of the body. It's a really strange phrase, but the phrase of having good eyes was a Hebrew idiom for seeing the world through the lens of generosity. I promised we would come back to generosity, and here we are. So when Jesus is saying is, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy or good, your whole body will be full of light. And if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. And he's, it sounds like with that knowledge, he's saying, if your eyes are good and you are generous, you will be full of light. And if your eyes are not good, you will be full of darkness. With that in mind, are there any stories in the Old Testament, because Jesus is referencing a lot of the Old Testament in the Sermon on the Mount. I'm not sure how much you guys have talked about that, but he's very frequently, if not always, referencing something. Are there any stories from the Old Testament that you would recall that would talk about generosity? Yeah, I've got one, but before I get to it, I really just want to say... I'm so glad you brought that out, that that Hebrew idiom. It's still used today, actually. Mm. Tav ayin. It's uh and it shows up in Proverbs, Proverbs 22, 9. Uh, when we read it in the NIV, you're not gonna read the good eye, but that is literally what it says. And it it's uh in the Septuagint they they render it 
uh, showing mercy to a beggar. Uh, but it, but it's still in in the Hebrew that that tavayin is is right there that good eye, and uh, I I think it's really it it totally when when I started looking at that I was like wow this unlocks the the whole the rest of this passage like really clearly uh, frames the rest of it for our, uh, to be about our heart of uh, of giving and and our our, our whole outlook. Um, I, it reminds me also what Jesus was just saying in Matthew five forty two. We aren't to turn away from people who are in need. We value everyone as someone made in God's image, and really, the rest of of this this passage is about it. And I, I think it's so strange to our society too. So that's the other thing that makes me think of that that uh, our society is telling us look out for number one. This is totally opposite. No one's going to help you. You have to claw your way to the top, and uh, and when, when you're saying that Jesus is saying this is uh, like the lamp of the body, the eyes, it also makes me think of Matthew uh, five fourteen, what he was saying again about the the being the light of the world. And so I think there is something about this that when we when we do like when we're filled with lightness because we're we have this kind of outlook, we are going to glorify our Father in heaven. We're by being generous to others by not turning away from their needs. Um, so that said, the thing. <laughs> All of that. Sorry, I, I love tangents. Anyway, uh, but I really found that fascinating. That so I'm I'm glad you brought that that phrase out. Um, the person I was thinking about was Abram in Genesis 13 and 14, uh, when he and Lot part ways. Abram lets Lot choose which land he wants, and of course, Lot chooses the fertile land, which is even described as resembling the land of Egypt. Hello, red flag, <laughs> foreshadowing. <laughs> uh, anyway, things don't work out the way Lot planned, and he finds himself a prisoner of war. And then Abram comes into the rescue and routes the army, frees Lot, and even returns Lot's possessions. Then he gives a tenth to Melchizedek and won't accept anything from the kingdom, uh, king of Sodom. That seems like he is not attached to personal possessions. Yeah. I so I was going to say, I, I also think of a story from Abram when uh, right before the story of Sodom and Gomorrah, which I think is a very interesting placement, and we're not talking about that today, but I'll let you kind of decide why it's an interesting placement on your own. He has, There's the story of uh, three visitors. We don't really know where they come. They just come, and Abram rolls out the red carpet. He gives them everything. Mm. He is so over-the-top hospitable and generous towards them yeah i think of a story in uh of course in first samuel <laughs> um where and it, it happens at the end of first samuel in chapter 20 it's about chapter 30 chapter 30 david and his men have gone off to uh to to fight and they've left all their families and their possessions in this little town called Ziklag. And while they're gone, the Amalekites come and they raid Ziklag. They take all the people as slaves. They take all the treasures. David and his men get back and they find smoking ruins and no people mm. and no treasure. And they're distressed, obviously. And um, they think about stoning David because he took them away to fight. It's a, it's a, the story is really intense, but if so, eventually, what happens is David and his men find the Amalekites that raided them. They defeat them. They take back all of their stuff and all of their people. 
But when they were on their way out, it says a certain portion of David's men were so exhausted and so grief-stricken that they couldn't carry on. They just, they, they fell out with fatigue and just utter frustration and depression. Hmm. And David said, well, you guys stay behind. We'll go ahead. So they go and they defeat everybody. And then when they're coming back, David is about to give them everything. And David's men say, wait, 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 wait. Those guys didn't even participate. They didn't work for this. They didn't do anything for mm-hmm. this. Let's just give them back their wives and their children. But tell them, give them back their wives and their children and tell them to move on. And David says, David says, I'm going to read it uh, just because I think it's such a, an incredible act of generosity. Mm. Um, in verse 23 of chapter 30 of 1 Samuel, it says, David replied, no, my brothers, you must not do that with what the Lord has given us. He has protected us and delivered into our hands the raiding party that came against us. Who will listen to what you say? The share of the man who stayed with the supplies is to be the same as that of him who went down to the battle. All will share alike. David made this a statute and an ordinance in Israel from that day to this. And that always just stands out to me. I think that's one of the ways where David proved that he's a man after God's own heart. And uh, the thing that I'll say about the the good eye, the eyes being the lamp of the body, the two things that I think about, we'll talk more about this, I'm sure, but the two things I think about are a lamp is something that projects Mm -hmm. outward and um, it's what, so it's what you project outward to everybody around you. And that also, I think, speaks to what your perspective is. And I'm, I'm sure we're going to dig deeper into that as we go. But that's what that's what I'm thinking. That is the plan. Um, so so I think it's a really those are great stories. And I, I think it's important to make sure we remember that that's when Jesus's hearers hear those. That's what those are some of the stories that are probably going through their head. I don't know exactly what they're thinking of, but they're thinking of examples. Wait, I this guy was generous in Torah. This is what Jesus is calling us to be. We're supposed to have the same generosity. I want to ask a little bit about generosity now. And this is something I always I think we tend to view generosity as necessarily financial. Um, what are some ways other than finances that we can be generous? Um, so I, I think I'm going to get a little from looking at uh, an, another word Matthew uses here besides the the uh, the I, which he clearly references. But I think the other one that I, I was looking at was the one he uses for good. Um. Which is interesting, I think, because it has a meaning of single or figuratively clear. So, and I love this choice because I think it's getting at a bigger picture here. When you're seeing clearly, you see things as they actually are. That person in need is just like you. They aren't beneath you or a waste of time or unworthy. They were made in God's image. And it reminds me of Paul's prayer that, the eyes of our heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. Uh, we aren't, so we're not just talking about physical eyes here, although I think that's 
also a really interesting connection that you see between uh, what we see with our physical eyes and how it influences our the the eyes of our heart, really our soul. Um, but I, I think um, if I could go on, I think the part about having a good eye and being generous, the ha- is the how of it is is related to having a single focus. So much of what we read in the Bible, I think, is it, it's there to help us train the eyes of our heart on God's glory, on our Savior, Savior, the author and perfecter of our faith. When we're filling up our eyes with Jesus, it's going to change us. We'll be more grateful for the mercy we've received and more inclined to show mercy to others. It's like what Jesus tells his disciples when they go out in, in Matthew 10. Freely you've been given, freely give. And uh, so I think th- this passage we're studying about being generous is actually getting at something larger, something we see throughout the rest of the Bible. We become what we behold. And if we focus our eyes on Jesus through faith, we become more like him. Conversely, if we take a steady diet of the world, we're going to become more like the prince of his age. I think that's what we're looking about in, in, in the uh, Matthew 5, too. You know, you become more like your father in heaven, or you could be more like the father of lies. And uh, the way you do that, by looking to God, the invisible God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that has like a ripple effect on everything. Um, I th- When you were just asked that question, Jim, like, Abram had that, or earlier that story you were saying, like Abram had that heart of, I don't know who these people are, but I'm going to treat them hospitably. I'm going Mm -hmm. to roll off the red carpet and make Mm -hmm. space and time for them and give them of my my home and my food. And um, that hospitality is one of the ways I think we can be extremely generous. And is one of the ways where like, if, if, if we're only being generous in like a financial transactional sense, mm-hmm. um, it can be devoid from our heart. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, Matt's saying like for f- fixing our eyes on Jesus is going to come into every area of our life. And um, like hospitality is like one of these ways where we're inconveniencing ourselves, <laughs> mm-hmm. making ourselves, making our homes or making, you know, our, our lives a place where other people can come in. <laughs> and feel safe and have the time and space to um, be cared for, that's inconvenient to our own agendas. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's an incredible opportunity. And I, I, we see amazing examples of that all throughout the scriptures of people doing that um, and are called to be hospitable. But um, I, w- I was going to just say like, oh, we need to be generous with our time. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, that feels kind of fuzzy mm-hmm. or like hard to be a, hard to apply, but I, I think that the, the, one of the really practical ways we can do that is be, be hospitable. Mm-hmm. I think, uh, I think three words, I think compassion, kindness, and mercy. Those are ways to be generous that don't necessarily have to do with money. And um, those are the kind of things that I, I try to hold up in my mind whenever I'm doing anything. When somebody cuts me off in traffic and I'm tempted to, you know, curse them, I think, you know, maybe that's a guy who just found out that his parent had a heart attack. And maybe he's, and, and you know, the cynic in me wants to say, probably not, probably he's just a knucklehead. But if I'm going to be compassionate, kind, 
merciful to that person. I have to open myself up to the possibility. Maybe that's it. And maybe my letting him get into traffic lets him get there in time to help or to do something and and to think about it in that way and to approach the world and to 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 project something positive into the situation it may not ever do anything for that guy who cut me off in traffic but it will keep the the lamp of my eyes bright it will keep it it will keep it from going dark if i can just exhibit compassion kindness mercy that that was one of the ways i was always thinking about being generous because it's one thing to give my money away it's another thing to give my time away Mm -hmm. but it's it's a whole different animal to be generous in my judgments of people and how i view people and um and harder to do and it's harder to do (laughs) and it's because it's very easy for me to look at someone in the way they act and assume that I know why they're acting that way. Exactly. Um, but it's very hard for me to give them the most charitable interpretation of their actions. Uh, you know, like Van said, may, uh, I'll even expand on that. There could be someone who's just difficult to deal with um, in a particular facet of our lives, whether it's work or school, if you're in school. Mm-hmm. And who's struggling, who, who might be going through something that's incredibly challenging. They could be t- taking care of a sick relative. They could have stuff going on at home that's just intense and, and difficult. And, and if we're not kind and generous and compassionate with our judgments of people, we're, we're going to eventually we're going to eventually hurt some of them, who need what Jesus is talking about, mm-hmm. who Jesus is trying to reach. He's trying to reach the hurting. But if we're not kind and generous, and to get back to our discussion from a couple pods ago with the Pharisees, the Pharisees were not always generous in their judgments of people. In fact, they were frequently not generous. Um, it, it was uh, the way I sort of hear it is it's either you're one of us or you do what we do or we don't really have time for you and they right. they lacked that generosity mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. thinking the best of people and presuming the best of people um which i think we can all agree is incredibly difficult yeah could i make one connection sure. for for our culture um so th- we live in a world that is incredibly in, in america is incredibly materialistic and there's also a, you know, an imagined meritocracy, which I think is breaking down um, in most people's minds. But there's still this kind of embedded assumption that, you know, people, if people don't have something, um, then they're lazy. Maybe not as much not in the Northeast, but I have fr- family or friends in other places that might have other opinions. Um, and that really gets at our judgments when we're thinking about being financially generous. Mm -hmm. Um, There are many opportunities that we might have to give, but we might hold back because we think that someone doesn't deserve it. Yeah. Yeah. um, And that we deserve it more. And I want to talk about that and more later, but I think it's these ideas about being generous 
of being generous with our judgments versus generous with our money versus generous with our time are all linked. Yeah. And that's the main thing that I want to make clear like right now. I, I appreciate you saying that, Tim, because it's not an either or proposition. It's not, I can be generous with my money, but I can't be generous with my time or my judgments. You can, you can be generous with all of them. Mm-hmm. You can be overall generous. Um, so the next question I have, and we are flying through questions on this pod. <laughs> this is good. Uh, Jesus contrasts light and darkness. Um, how would a Jew hear this contrast? What does light represent in the Old Testament? What does darkness represent? Uh, how, how, would a, how would a person hearing this firsthand, um, what would they hear here? I thought of a few things here, Jim, and I'm going to bring in a, a topic that I know you and I love to debate. Um, I was just checking the clock, by the way. Here we go. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I, I think with light, I think you can't help but think of creation, right? That's one of the first mm-hmm. things that comes to mind. But the other thing that comes to mind is also holiness. And, um, you know, I have images of burning incense, the lamps that were in the first tabernacle and then the temple. And, uh, you know, places holy to the Lord where we could come near to him. And then I also think of Israel being called to be a light to the nations, Isaiah 42. So again, this idea, um, it's reflecting God's glory into the world to draw people back to him. And that's, that's what we see in Matthew 5, 14, um, what Jesus is talking about. And, I, and when, I, when I think about this, um, the, the writer, well, I got to say the New Testament writers were Jews too, most of, most of them, maybe maybe not Luke, but uh, uh, John, I think, is one who uses this, this theme of light from the beginning of his writing to the end. In John 1, 5, he says, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. it it's, he's saying the light is perpetually shines and the darkness tried and failed to overcome it, past tense. Uh, darkness defeated already. Uh, Jesus is the light of the world. Uh, John eight and nine. We we follow him. We won't be in. We won't walk in darkness. It'll be just like the pillar of, of fire theophany, uh, leading Israel through the wilderness uh, exodus. And you get the same picture in uh, the end of Revelation twenty two five, uh, where he, he's describing how there's going to new heaven, new earth, final temple, holy city, no unholy thing will be there except all who Christ has redeemed, Old and New Testament. They'll all be uh, together worshiping God, seeing his face, knowing him, belonging to him. And listen to this. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of a sun, for the Lord God will give them light. Mm -hmm. So God is this ultimate light. And Jesus is described even as the radiance of the glory of God in Hebrews Um, and likewise, we're intended to shine like stars in this dark universe. Mm -hmm. And, uh, that's, that's the thing that, that is so amazing about all of this. Um, we're to be the light of the world and our actions should glorify our our heavenly father. Yeah, this is a, this is a, this is a big one. (laughs) And I, I don't, I don't, I, I have a lot to say and not much time left. So I'm thinking that maybe. (laughs) Do you guys want to go just a little bit longer on this one? Well, so my my I think what we do here is uh, let's pick this up next pod <laughs> because this is a long discussion and it's a discussion that merits good time, the light okay. and darkness discussion. I think it merits time. I think it merits 
energy and I don't want to cut us short. So we're going to pick this up next pod. Really appreciate you all listening. I hope you guys feel challenged to be generous and to be generous in all the ways you can be generous and also to be creative in the ways you are generous. There's probably ways we haven't talked about that you can be generous. And so let's go out and be generous. Thank you all for listening. We'll talk to you next podcast.